Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. But right now, we are truly, truly honored tonight to have um, not only a friend of, a, of the house, but he is a friend of mine. Um, and he also brought his wife, Sheila, with him tonight. And uh, we're so honored that you came with Bishop. He's been coming here for years, and it's such an honor to host you tonight as well. Uh, and you guys know Bishop Lee. I mean, he's no stranger. Uh, he's a prince of preachers. Uh, matter of fact, I'm just going to call him, uh, he's the goat. Amen. I mean, this guy knows how to preach. Uh, he not only communicates, but he delivers the word of God powerfully every time he's here. Bethesda, will you stand and let's honor the man of God as he comes to share the word with us tonight. Come on, Bishop. Hallelujah. Can we put our hands together? Let's give Jesus Christ a big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands all over the house? Father, we love you tonight. And we thank you, Father, for this privilege, this wonderful opportunity to be in your presence, to be in your house. We thank you that where you are, all things are possible. So we've come to worship you. We've come to adore you. We've come to magnify your name. But in this time, we've also come that we might hear a word from you. So we open our hearts tonight, Father. We ask that you would speak to us clearly and unmistakably during these times. We pray, dear Father, that you would send the kind of word in this house that by the time we hit the door, we will leave encouraged. We will leave looking to the hills from which cometh our help. Thank you for what you're going to do through your word. Anoint your servant one more time and let your name be glorified. We bind demonic forces right now. In the name of Jesus, and we declare healing, breakthroughs, strength in this house, and we will give you praise in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. One more time, let's put our hands together. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a joy and a blessing it is to be with you tonight. Amen. I thank God for what God is doing among you and how he is blessing you in great ways. I give God praise for each of you. Amen. Coming out to the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. And thank God for this wonderful, wonderful ministry. Uh, I was telling my wife as we were driving here what a miracle, amen, it is to see God do what he has done right here in this ministry, almost in the middle of seemingly nowhere. Amen. God has raised up a house. Praise God that I believe he is using to touch the nations. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it's been said that when God wants to, to curse a people, uh, that what he does is he raises up bad leadership. But when he really wants to bless the people, he raises up good leadership. And I believe that God wanted to bless this community and bless this area, and he raised up a man of God and a woman of God. Amen. Can we put our hands together for your pastor and his lovely wife, Chad, Chad and Karen? We appreciate both of you tonight. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, I was able to see uh, Eli before church, and uh, he assured me that I'm going to do a good job tonight. So, uh, But I love that little guy, and I appreciate him and uh, Zeke and just uh, the, the times of fellowship, amen, down through the years have just been a tremendous blessing, amen. To my brother also, Josh, thank you for your hospitality. And uh, happy, of course, to have my lovely wife here for the first time worshiping with you. Amen. Can we welcome her one more time? Praise the Lord. Amen. I don't know if it was temporary insanity or what, but, you know, we really married up. You know, the Lord really blessed us. Amen. So praise the Lord for our beautiful wives. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's go to the word of God. St. Mark chapter 4. St. Mark chapter 4, I believe that the Lord wanted me to stop by and encourage the people of God tonight, amen, as we look to the word of God to speak to us, amen, during these unprecedented times, amen. Uh, I'm going to be sharing from a text that I've shared here before, but I want us to look at it tonight from a different angle. But if you have your Bibles again, St. Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 35 through 41. St. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It reads, In the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he saith, and he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Hallelujah. I just want to use for a title tonight and speak to you on the subject of the other side of this. Amen. The other side of this. It has been said that life is a continual process of getting used to things that we never expected. Or in other words, to put it plainly, life is full of this and that. And oftentimes on this journey called life, we find ourselves in the position in which we were prepared to deal with that, but never expected this. As a matter of fact, oftentimes we expected the possibility of that so much that long before it happened, we made sure that replacement measures were put in place just in case that happened. So we went down to Allstate and we had a conversation with the good hands people. 
we went over to Prudential and we got ourselves a piece of the rock. We armed ourselves with blue crosses and with blue shields. We made sure that Nationwide was on our side. And we opened up the window to check next door to make sure our good neighbor State Farm was still there. And some of us even had the nerve to try to save 15% by switching to Geico. <laughs> but we did all of those things so that even when certain types of potentially catastrophic events came our way, that we made sure that we had a backup plan to cushion the blow simply because we expected that. But this stuff over here, never in a million years did we ever think that we would be facing this. I mean, never within the quadrants of my active imagination that I ever think that I would be living in a time when day by day I would wake up and have to deal with all of this. I mean, never could anyone have told me that this dependable, loving person who I met and married, amen, would put me through all of this. I mean, never did I think that after I took measures to work out and to exercise and to eat right, that I would find myself dealing with a medical issue quite like this. I mean, never did I think that after all of these years of loyalty and working for this company, that they would walk up to me and hand me a pink slip and dismiss me like this. Never did I think that after years of being faithful to the ministry, years of serving and sacrificing, that the church folk would treat me quite like this. Never did I think that friends would walk away from me like this. That people who I trusted would betray me like this. I mean, after all, I worked to avoid this. I made decisions so that I would not be confronted with something like this. And although I know that life is not perfect, I never wanted to have to deal with something like this. Indeed, in life, we often find ourselves ready and prepared to deal with that over here, but not quite this over here. And when we find ourselves in such a situation, many times the question that we ask ourselves is, God, why did you not warn me about this? Or how on earth, if ever, am I going to be able to get past this? Now, if we were to be real and honest tonight, I'm sure that most of us, as we entered into this new year, we never imagined that we would find ourselves dealing with all of this. I mean, you know how we do in the church when we like to engage in, you know, the tradition of looking at the new year and perhaps finding something within the numbers or something, you know, that we can relate to and try to set the pace for the new year. You know how we do. And when it all began, this was 2020. <laughs> All the preachers were talking about vision. 
This would be the year that everything would open up to us. This would be the year that we would see things more clearly. Yes, 2020. (laughs) But I'm sure nobody, as deep and wonderful as our prophets try to be, very few of them predicted that we would be dealing with all of this. I mean, no one expected that basketball superstar Kobe Bryant, along with his daughter, would perish in a helicopter crash, along with seven other people in California. Nobody expected this. We never expected that wildfires would sweep through Australia and California. No, we never expected that locusts would swarm East Africa, that earthquakes would strike in Turkey. No, we never expected this. We never expected that a virus by the name of COVID-19 would sweep literally around the world and shut down our businesses and shut down our churches and shut down our schools and do all of this damage that it has done. No, we never expected this. We never expected that we would turn on our television sets and watch in horror as an officer of the law paid Amen to serve and to protect, protect. We would watch him with his knee on the neck of a man by the name of George Floyd until it literally choked the life out of him. No, we never expected that. We never expected that that would cause riots to take place within our cities and that we would find ourselves as a nation divided never like we have been divided before. No, we never expected all of this. Amen. We had hoped that this would be a great year. We had hoped that things would go differently. Yes, we went into the new year expecting a lot, but no one could tell me that they expected all of this. However, as bad as it may seem tonight, as difficult as it may be for us, I come by to tell the church tonight in the name of Jesus that we will get to the other side of this. Somebody shall praise the Lord in here. Hallelujah. Would you turn to somebody and tell them we're going to get to the other side of this? Hallelujah. And I'm sure, no doubt, that those same type of questions and emotions had to enter the minds and the hearts of the disciples of Christ as they found themselves met by the challenges that often come when we decide to be obedient to our Lord. You see, they had been in Capernaum, and they had had a great time of fruitful ministry. The services were great. The crowds had gathered and miracles and great times of deliverance had taken place. I mean, they had seen demons cast out of people. Peter's mother-in-law had been healed of a fever. A man had even taken up his bed and walked after being crippled for many, many years. And then in the midst of all of this, Jesus decides to shut down the Capernaum revival and say, fellas, let us go to the other side. They get in transmission mode and they get on the boat and began their journey to the other side. But as they are crossing Lake Gennesaret, the Bible tells us that they became, that they were confronted by a powerful storm. The Bible says, I believe in verse number 37, that there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. It was not just an ordinary storm. 
But it was a storm that was so violent that it literally threatened their existence. But yet, after everything they would go through, these disciples would make it to the other side. And I just want to encourage the church tonight and share with you three things that I believe that God wants us to know until we get to the other side of this. Are y'all with me tonight? Say amen. The first thing that God wants us to know, number one, is that God is in control. Would you turn to somebody and tell them God is in control? Some of our most blessed and wonderful experiences, as well as some of the worst things that can happen to us, oftentimes come in the form of a surprise. The unexpected. Several years ago, I decided to bless my wife with a surprise party. And uh, it was quite an experience. Matter of fact, I probably told so many lies that week, you know, I had to, you know, repent at the end of the week. You know how it goes, right? <laughs> but just to have that moment and to see the look on her face when she walked into the hall and all of these people were there. Hey, Amen. We invited folk from way back in her life and her, her family members and they traveled. Even people from Bermuda, they came to the scene, you know, just to be there. But it was a wonderful moment. A surprise to think about the love that is contained when somebody goes out of their way to do something nice for you. Think about the tears that are shed when a surprise welcome visitor shows up at your house and you embrace them. Wonderful things happen in the form of a surprise. But also some of the most difficult and heartbreaking things can come to us also in the form of a surprise. An unexpected setback, a loss of health, a loss of a job, an accident or death, an unexpected expense. The car breaks down, amen, an appliance goes in the house, an unexpected attack from a friend that you thought was faithful, amen. Some of the best things and the worst things in life can come in the form of a surprise. And when surprises come to us negatively, they literally have the power to shake up our lives and to turn things upside down. They literally can shake us to our very foundation. Someone has said, that nothing is so painful to the human mind as a great and sudden change. And you see, that was the problem that the disciples were about to experience as they found themselves on a lake called Gennesaret. You see, the thing about Lake Gennesaret is that it was known for its sudden violent storms. If you look at it historically, they tell me that this was a common occurrence that would take place whenever you would cross Lake Gennesaret. You see, Lake Gennesaret, it was actually positioned between mountains. So what would happen at Lake Gennesaret is one moment you can be out on the lake. You can be enjoying a beautiful and wonderful day. But then what would happen is that the wind would begin to blow against the sides of the mountain. And because of where it was positioned, it would create above your head a funnel. 
So you could be out there and then all of a sudden the wind could blow and you would find a funnel taking place above your head. It literally would get so strong that it would draw clouds and rain and eventually storm clouds would develop. So one moment you could be out on the boat and everything could be great. And then the next moment you can find yourself facing a sudden, unexpected, or a surprise storm. Has anybody ever been there in life? My God, have mercy. Amen. Those disciples were out there one moment. Everything was great. The sun was shining. They were enjoying their experience. And all of a sudden, a storm just drops down upon them. And you know, that's illustrative of how life can be. My God, have mercy. One moment you can have all of your ducks in order. One moment everything could be good. One moment the family could be together and behaving like the Bradys and the Huxtables. My God, and everything could be great. My God, one moment you can have money in the bank and everything could be fine. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in just a matter of moments facing an unexpected storm. All of a sudden things are going well and the phone call comes in. All of a sudden, the doctor finds a spot on the x-ray. My God, all of a sudden, the police call and they tell you that your child is down at the station and has been involved in some activity you never dreamed he or she would be involved in. Amen. The bottom falls out of the business. The spouse flips out. The accident takes place. The grade on the exam is lower than you ever imagined. A relative is deathly ill. A family member, my God, just had an accident. Amen. That is how life is. One moment everything could be in order and the next moment you can find yourself facing a sudden storm. You see, I don't know how this thing hit y'all, but you know, for me, it was unusual and very strange. I was out in Oregon preaching a camp meeting. I had my schedule all lined up. Nice meetings and nice churches all scheduled. And then as I was leaving at 2 a.m. in the morning, heading to the airport to fly from Oregon to Maryland, I turned on the radio and started hearing about all these reports about this, this virus called COVID-19. And they had an outbreak out west of 80-something people as I was heading to the airport. I got to Maryland. I preached a few days. And as I was leaving Maryland, they were having an outbreak there. And as I am literally on my way to the airport, my phone starts ringing. My text messages start coming in. And it was one cancellation after another. My God, in the words of the Fresh Prince, my life got turned, flipped upside down. In just a few moments, my God, everything was good. Everything was in place. My God, then a couple of weeks later, amen, Sister Lee, uh, her company shut down because of COVID. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you went through some of the very same types of transition when one moment everything was good and the next moment my God you found yourself facing a sudden storm and it looked like everything was out of control but I, that's the bad news but the good news is this glory to God that in the midst of everything going crazy we serve a God who is still sitting upon the throne glory to God he is large and in charge and he is in control hallelujah Glory to God. Would you turn to somebody one more time and tell them God is in control? 
Yes, he is. Glory to God. He has not left this thing over to the devil. He has not turned over everything. Glory to God. He is still in the vision of Isaiah, high and lifted up as sitting upon the throne. Hallelujah. I got news for you. Amen. Donald Trump was never in control. Obama was never in control. And Biden will never be in control. Our God still reigns. Hallelujah. And he is high and lifted up. <laughs> Woo. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in here. Can somebody one more time turn to your neighbor and tell him God is in control? You see, it is in situations like these in which God calls for us to trust in a part of his divine nature that is called his sovereignty. What does that mean? That is the Christian teaching that God is the supreme authority and all things are under his control. That God has the absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. Hallelujah. In other words, regardless of what is happening around us, God is sovereign. Glory to God. He is in the background. He is a divine director of eternity. Glory to God, directing and redirecting. Hallelujah. Reigning and super reigning over every situation and circumstance. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. He said that when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you can lay your head. Hallelujah. My God, have mercy. In other words, as Christian believers, we don't have to be threatened about anything that is going on. We don't have to be threatened and walk in fear. Although we walk in wisdom, we don't have to walk in fear because we know that our God is high and lifted up and he is in control. One of the names that he reveals himself to us as is the name El Shaddai. Can somebody say that name, El Shaddai? This is an interesting word or name because it actually denotes God's power to interpose or intervene. The word Shaddai, it comes from the root word meaning strong, powerful, or to do violence. Watch this, especially in the sense of one who is so powerful as to be able to set aside or do violence to the laws of nature or the ordinary course of nature. I love that because it tells me that God is so powerful and strong that what he does is he sits on the side, watches things go on, and whenever he decides that I'm ready to intervene. He can just step in, hallelujah, and turn things upside down and right side up, hallelujah. You know what, I believe that God is still in control and sitting upon his throne and he is just looking for a church that is gonna have faith and trust in him. And he says, in my perfect time, I'm going to step right into the midst of this storm, glory to God, and make it do what it do because I am God all by myself, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he wants us to trust in his sovereignty. He wants us to know that in spite of the wind, that he is in control, that in spite of the rain and the waves, he is in control, regardless of the thunder and the lightning, that he is in control, regardless of the diagnosis, regardless of the marital problems, regardless of the virus, regardless of the economic struggle, our God, hallelujah, he still sits upon the circle of the earth. He still makes the clouds his chariots and rides upon the wings of the wind. Glory to God. He still is a God who stretched out the north over an empty place and hung the earth out on nothing. Hallelujah. He is God all by himself and he is in control. Hallelujah. So he wants us to know that he is in control. But there's a second thing that he wants us to know till we get to the other side. Number two is that God is intimately involved. Hallelujah. In other words, he is not a distant God who is afar off. He's not a God who has winded things up and just lets it run and has left us by ourselves. But he is intimately I know all of you guys in here are super saints and stuff, you know. You probably don't have the same type of experiences that people that aren't as anointed as you have, you know, I know. You know, say super saints, I don't know what you're feeding them, you know, but, you know, they're anointed, appointed, a double dose of the Holy Ghost, you know. Faster than a speeding deacon. More powerful than a missionary, you know. Able to leap tall demons, you know, in a single bout, you know. <laughs> but can I ask y'all a question? And I don't mean to insult anybody, but has anybody ever been through something and got in the middle of it and it felt like God was on vacation? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, you wanted to call... Michael the archangel and see if God was on sabbatical, you know, I mean, you know, you, you called him and prayed and nothing happened. You hit him up on his cell and, you know, he didn't, he didn't went to voicemail, you know, sent him a text, still waiting for him to, anybody know, know what I'm, know what I'm talking about? Sometimes to me, it seems as though at the times that I need him most, he seems to be oftentimes quiet and distant. And now, now, before you look at me too funny, listen to what Job said in Job 23, verses 8 and 9. He was in the midst of probably the greatest test that a man could experience. He had lost his family, his property, his reputation. He has boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. His own wife came and told him to curse God and die. And he got in the middle of this. And this is what he said. Job 23, verse 89. He said, look, I go forward. But he's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left, I, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right, I, I cannot see him. Job said, look, I got in the midst of this. I looked behind me. I looked in front of me. I looked to my right and I looked to my left and I couldn't find God. Anybody ever been there? 
Can I confess something to y'all? I've been serving him for a long time, but I found out that sometimes God can get quiet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, just sometimes he, he acts like he's social distancing from me and hasn't told me, you know. We don't talk about it in the church. Because we always like to talk about when God answers prayers and when he moves and when he gives us what to say at the right moment. But what about those times when he says nothing? The silence of God. See, I found out that sometimes his silence could be just as profound as his voice. Sometimes his stillness can be just as deep as when he moves. When God says nothing. And, and I need to talk to somebody tonight because with all of this isolation and with all of this time in which we have had been forced to, to be behind closed doors, there might be somebody in the house who the devil is telling you that God has left you by yourself. And maybe you're feeling the loneliness of, of being isolated and shut in. And, and maybe God has been, maybe the devil has been whispering to you, trying to tell you that God has left you by yourself. No, 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 no. Let, let, let me help you tonight. Listen, never make the mistake of confusing God's demeanor with his heart. You say, what do you mean? When we look at God, sometimes he can be so calm that it appears as though he's disconnected. As a matter of fact, sometimes the Lord is a little too calm for my liking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, let, let me just show you. you. You know, in scripture, when you look at Jesus, his son, there were so many examples of him and how he responded in pressure, pressure situations. Y'all remember when the woman caught in adultery was bought before him and they were trying to trap him because they were trying to confuse him between what the law says and what he was going to say. And they were looking for an opportunity to, you know, trap him. So they bring this woman who had been caught in adultery. Now, the Bible doesn't say what a man was, but that's, that's a whole different, different, different subject. But, but they, they throw him, throw her before him and wait to see what he says. Jesus barely looked up. He just bent down into the, on the ground and started writing in the sand. He was so calm. When everybody else was panicking. Y'all remember that other occasion where the scripture says Jesus goes up into the mountain to pray. He sends his disciples across on the boat. And the Bible says at about the third watch of the night, they look out in the middle of this great storm. And they see Jesus coming across the water. And the thing that got me when I read it is the Bible says he was walking. Now listen, I'm not a water person, okay, you know. 
Y'all who like to be out there on skis and all that stuff, that's, that's for you. Okay, but if I was on that boat and there was this great storm that was taking place and I looked out, this ain't the time for me to look out and see Jesus walking. Y- y- y'all got what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I, I, this time I, I want him to, to move a little cross, maybe run, maybe do something. You know, he's out there, you know, showing off and sandal surfing, you know, just having himself a good old time. Just so calm when everything is going wrong. Y'all remember when the news reached him that Lazarus, the one he loved, was sick. You would have thought that Pastor Jesus would have gotten up right away and ran to Lazarus. But the Bible says he waited for two days. Wasn't preaching, wasn't healing anybody, just chilling. By the time he gets there, he had the nerve to miss the funeral. He shows up. He ain't sent a letter from the Jesus ministry or anything. And he just comes walking in. He's so calm when everything is going crazy. Even when he was about to be crucified. The Bible says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and opened not his mouth. He is so calm. But understand that just because he is calm does not mean that he is connected. Hallelujah. You see, there is no panic in his nature. Glory to God. And that does not mean that he's not, that he doesn't love us, that he is not concerned. Sometimes he can be so calm on the outside and still be connected. That is exactly what's about to happen here in the text. The Bible says that they were in this major storm. The Bible says the waves were beating against the boat. As a matter of fact, Matthew's account said the water swept over the boat. So they're not just in the storm, but they're under the storm. My God, this boat is about to go down. They are running around. They're bailing water. They're trying to bring the situation under control. And where is Jesus? Where? Where? Y'all can talk to me. It's okay. Sleeping. The nerve of him to be sleeping in the midst of a storm. How dare he sleep when I'm up in the middle of the night pacing the floor and worrying about everything? How dare he sleep when I got bills that are piling up? How dare he sleep when all hell is breaking loose in my personal life? How dare he sleep? My God, amen, don't you get insulted, church. Amen, when you are nervous and he is not. Are you hearing me? Don't get insulted, amen, because you are fearful and worried and he is not. My God, it does not mean that he is distant and that he doesn't care. And watch what happens. The disciples walk over to him and they insult him and wake him up. And say, Master, don't you care that we perish? Now, before we turn up our sanctified holy noses at these disciples, think about some of the stuff we said. The last time we found ourselves being the DJ at our own pity party. Lord, where are you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? God, aren't you going to do something? 
Lord, you said that you're this and that you'll do this. What, what, what's, what's up? And anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there in the midst of the crisis and it seemed like God was sleeping on you and there you are waking him up and asking him the same kind of questions. My God, have mercy. Somebody knows what I'm talking about in here because you've been walking through this situation and the enemy has told you that God does not care, that God is not concerned. I come by to tell you tonight the devil is a liar. Glory to God. God cares about where you are. Glory to God. He knows your name. Hallelujah. He's got your social security number. He knows your address. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I care about your circumstances. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 55 and 22. He says, I cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15, for we have not a high priest who is not touched with the field of our infirmities but was in every point tempted just like we are yet without sin first peter 5 and 7 casting your cares upon him knowing that he cares for you hallelujah glory to god even job in job 23 after he said i go forward and i cannot find him he came to a conclusion in verse number 10 and this is what he said he said but he knows the way that i take and when he had tried me i shall come forth as pure gold hallelujah glory to God God knows where we are hallelujah he is involved can somebody just lift your hands right now and just receive that in the name of Jesus hallelujah glory to God and then the third and final thing God will want us to know till we get to the other side Number one, he wants us to know that he is in control. Number two, he wants us to know that he is intimately involved. And the third thing is God's word is good. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and tell them God's word is still good. Whatever we go through, whenever we go through, we need to understand that God's got a word for every situation. Mm -hmm. Nothing new under the sun. So before you got in your situation, he has already spoken a word to your situation or about your situation. I believe that this is God's word. I believe that there is an answer in the word of God for everything that we face. Does anybody believe that tonight? Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's nothing that we can go through that he hasn't already spoken about. Nothing we can experience that he has not given us a word. His word is unchangeable. His word is dependable. Your circumstances do not change what he has said. The news cycle does not change what he has already revealed. If God gave you a promise and spoke a word over you, glory to God, hey man, you can put your money on it if you will. Hallelujah. It is ironclad, guaranteed that what God says is going to come to pass. Psalms 119 verse 89, the psalmist said this forever. O Lord, is thy word settled in the heavens. Psalms 138 and 2, 
the, the writer said this, thou has magnified thy word above thy name. In other words, God said, look, I, I, my word is so trustworthy. I'm going to magnify it and put it above my very name. Hallelujah. Everything that I am and everything that I have promised and everything that I exist, amen, is tied up in my word. My promises are guaranteed. Hallelujah. First Corinthians 1 and 20. Amen. The Bible says, for all the promises of God are yea and amen to them that believe. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In other words, like the old timers used to say, if God said it, that settles it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. God's promises are true. His promises are storm proof. His promises are recession proof. His promises are conspiracy proof. His promises are election proof. People forsake you proof. His promises are gossip proof. Glory to God. And his promises are pandemic proof. Hallelujah. If God said it. It's guaranteed. So watch what happens. The Bible says they came to Jesus and they woke him up. He said, Master, do you care that we perish? The scripture says, or I imagine he got up and he wiped the sleep out of his eyes. He stands on the edge of the boat. And the Bible says something interesting. It says in verse 39 that he arose, watch this, and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea. You know, for years I looked at this text and I thought it strange that he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea. Huh. Now when Jesus rises, he is confronting two oppositional forces the wind and the sea. But he addresses them both differently. Interestingly, the wind is an invisible oppositional force, but the sea is a visible oppositional force. But he addresses them differently. He rebukes <laughs> The wind. That word rebuke means to restrain. It means to put down by force. Mm -hmm. And he speaks to the sea. The reason why he rebuked the wind is because he recognized that the sea was acting up because of the wind. So he said, if I can rebuke the wind, and the sea is going to take care of itself. You see, when we're in a time like this and in a storm like this and trials like this, the test that we have is discerning what to rebuke and what to speak to. Oh, y'all ain't with me tonight. <laughs> the problem that some of us are having right now is we're rebuking some of the stuff we need to speak to and speaking to some of the stuff we need to rebuke. Jesus rebuked demons, but he spoke healing. Jesus rebuked demons, but he spoke deliverance. Good God have mercy. Listen to me. When that child is acting up, my God, you don't need to rebuke the child. You need to rebuke the spirit behind the child, the invisible force of rebellion that is causing them to behave like they behave. 
We get angry and we start rebuking our, our sons and daughters. My God, you ain't no good. You're just like your daddy. You're going to be like your daddy. And we start rebuking them. And what we end up doing is we end up speaking words into their life that they're going to walk out and fulfill. But what we need to do is get in the prayer closet and rebuke that rebellious spirit and then come out and speak words of life. Tell that son you might be in jail right now, boy, but I've been praying for you. And God told me you're going to be a man of God. Hallelujah. God told me, daughter, that you're going to go to college and you're going to graduate. We got to know what to rebuke and know what to speak to. We're not wrestling with visible forces. My God, have mercy. We have allowed the, 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 the world to divide the church according to politics According to race, we have allowed the world to set the tone for the church without recognizing that we need to be the body of Christ. My God, and what we have done is we have begun to fight all of the wrong battles. We're fighting against one another without realizing that we are not our enemy. Our enemy is an invisible force called the devil. My God, the Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's time for us to rebuke the devil and start speaking life to one another. Speak to that dead vision and tell it it's going to live. Speak hallelujah to that sickness and tell it it's going to have to, de to, to depart. Glory to God. Speak to that dying dream and tell him it's not over until God says it's over. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Rebuke the devil and speak to those other things. And that's what Jesus does. He rebukes the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. So he spoke sternly to the wind and turned to the sea and said, okay, now you just chill. And then he does something that also made me raise a question. He turns to his disciples and he begins to question their faith. He says, why are you so fearful? And notice what he said. How is it that you have no faith? So I looked at that brother, uh, bishop and I said, come on now, Jesus. You know, you're being a little hard on these brothers, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you said no faith. I mean, I, I thought they had a little bit of faith. I mean, you know, they, they, they woke him up. <laughs> so why were you rebuking them and accusing them of having no faith so I got to looking a little closer and I came to the conclusion as to why he, 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 he accused them of having no faith as a matter of fact when I first looked at it I, I thought maybe, maybe you know Jesus was upset with them because you know, they woke him up out of a good nap. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You'd be in the middle of that good dream, you know, and you'd just be about to reach in the refrigerator and get that chocolate cake, and the kid wakes you up, and you're like, oh. I said, no, Jesus is not as petty as, you know, we, we might be, so he, that's probably not the answer. But then I realized 
that the reason why Jesus questioned their faith is because they woke him up to speak to something that he had already spoken to. You say, what do you mean? At the beginning of their journey, he gathered them together and said, let us pass over to the other side. So he gave them a beginning word, let us go, a middle word, over, and an ending word. To the other side. Hallelujah. So anything that happened in between, my God, he had already spoken to because he said that we are going over. Hallelujah. My God, have mercy. How often do we find ourselves worrying about stuff that God already spoke to? Hmm. How often do we find ourselves worrying about things that God had already given us a promise for? I believe that sometimes God leans over the portals of heaven and say, hey, why are you worrying about it? Didn't I already tell you about this? Didn't I already tell you that I'm your shepherd and you shall not want? Didn't I tell you that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you? Glory to God. Didn't I tell you that upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you? Didn't I tell you that if God be for you, who can be against you? Didn't I tell you that I shall supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Didn't I tell you that by my stripes you are healed? Didn't I tell you? that regardless of what is going on that all things are going to work together for good to we that love him and are called according to his purpose <laughs> would you turn to somebody and tell him he already spoke to that that's right. He already spoke to that. Stop worrying. He already spoke to that. Stop biting your lean nails. He's already spoken to that. Stop pulling out that weave. My God, he has already spoken to that. Glory to God. He already gave you a word. And his word is still good. I got a little sign in my bedroom that I purchased online. And this is what it said. It says, give it to God and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And every now and then I have to look at that because I have to realize that no matter what is going on, that God has already spoken to the situation. Hallelujah. You see what Jesus wanted from those disciples was for them to have the kind of faith that when they, when they saw the storm rising, when they saw the wind blowing, they said, hey, this is a great violent storm. Look at all of that wind. But they wanted them to turn to one another and say, yes, it is violent. Yes, there is wind. But he told us that we are going to get to the other side of this. So no matter what happens in between, we are going to get there. My God, high five your neighbor. Tell him we're going to get there. That's right, we're going to get there. I come by to tell you we are going to get to the other side of this. No matter what God has to do, my God, in between, we are going to get to the other side of this. Hallelujah. He says, if I've got to take you through a pit to get you to the palace, we are going to get there. He says, if I have to send plagues and a death angel at midnight, we are going to get there. He says, if I got to part a Red Sea, we are going to get there. If I got to join you in a fire furnace we are going to get 
get there. If I got to walk in the lion's den, we are going to get there. If I got to send down fire from heaven, we are going to get there. If I got to make dead men's bones come back to life, we are going to get there. Glory to God. If I got to go into the grave and rise on the third day, we are going to get to the other side. <laughs> Hallelujah. We will get to the other side of this. Regardless of our violent storm, he's promised us that we're going to get to the other side. Everybody stand with me all over the house right now. The Bible says that after the disciples saw Jesus speak to the storm, after the waves bowed at his feet like a dog to his master, after the wind obeyed to the voice of he who created it, they looked at one another and got a divine revelation. Listen to what they said. They said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Hallelujah. You know what I believe, brother? As I believe that when we get on the other side of this, that God is going to release a level of revelation to his church. Hallelujah. That we're going to recognize more about our God. We're going to come out of this with a level of praise. And when the enemy hears it, he's going to wish he left us alone. Glory to God. Come on and give God a praise right now. Be encouraged going to get to the other side of this. When I was growing up in the church, I used to sing an old song. You know it. Amazing Grace. But my favorite verse in that song is verse number three. And this is what it says. It says, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. His grace that brought me safe this far. And his grace shall lead me home. Lift those hands. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your people, God. Thank you for your comforting presence that I feel in this house right now. Thank you for the sound of victory. I concur with the man of God tonight. In the midst of this drought, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. God. In the name of Jesus, I declare tonight, Father, that you would release the revelation to somebody and remind them that you're in control. Remind somebody that you work the night shift. Hallelujah. And in the midst of this dark place that by morning weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming. Father, speak peace tonight. Remind somebody that you are with them, that you're intimately involved. Wrap your arms of love around them right now, God. Remind them that you are aboard the ship, that you're able to speak into their circumstances. Father, do it right now, God. Embrace my brother and sister who's feeling alone. Remind them that you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And we walk by faith tonight and not by sight. Do it tonight, Father. And now, God, Thank you for your word. 
we cling to your promises. Times may change, people may change, but your word shall live forever. So we cling to your promises right now, Father. Remind us of what you have spoken. Remind us of what you have prophesied to us. Remind us of what your word has told us. We rebuke fear. We rebuke doubt. We rebuke the spirit of depression and discouragement. We silence every voice of suicide in the name of Jesus. And I speak life. Life tonight, Father. Life to dreams. Life to visions. Life to families. Life to marriages. Life to finances. Life to careers. We shall live and not die. And declare the wonderful works of God. We thank you, Father. Name of Jesus, would you just lift your hands all over this house right now and just praise Him? Praise Him right now that you're going to get to the other side. Yes, just praise Him like you're already there. Come on, church. Just praise Him right now as He sweeps across the land as if He has swept across the land and brought healing, amen, to this nation and around the world. Come on, just give Him a praise right now. Hallelujah. Magnify Him, glorify Him. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Thank you for victory in advance. We praise you. We praise you on credit. God, hallelujah. Glory to God. We magnify you, Father. For you are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Maybe there might be somebody here tonight who would say, Preacher, you're talking to me. Uh, you're talking to me, Preacher. I, I just want some special prayer. I don't know how you're doing it during the pandemic. Are you doing those of you who would say preacher I, I, I just I've been disturbed I've been discouraged I've been feeling the loneliness and I, I just need this comforting presence I need to be reminded of what he has promised me I, I just need a breakthrough tonight if I'm talking to you would you lift your hand up so I can pray for you yes yeah yes yes you who lifted your hands, just real quick, make your way toward this altar right now while the Spirit of God is moving. Amen. We just want to believe God with you for your breakthrough, your miracle, your healing, your provision, whatever it might be tonight. Step out. Come on. Come believe in God. Come believe in God. Tonight is your night. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Those who have been assigned to pray by the man of God, would you come and stand behind these and just believe God for their breakthrough, for their miracle tonight. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.